Good morning, church family. It is so good to have you joining us. If I haven't met you before, my name is Lockie. I'm a member of the pastoral team here at Gold Coast Central Church. We are so glad that you've joined us. If you're joining us for the very first time today, then just know that you have come at the perfect time because we are starting a brand new series today. Now, this series is all about this idea of generosity. It's, it's a theme that permeates the entire story of the Bible and, and a theme that, that I think is really relevant to our lives. It's one of the top themes that Jesus addresses while he's here on earth. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be unpacking what this theme is all about and then how it applies to our lives today. So let's jump right in. When I was in about my second or third week here on the Gold Coast, I had an experience that has stuck in my mind. And this experience was um, I was driving to a meeting um, here at church with, without some of our worship team leaders. And I was running a little bit late and I actually needed to fill up because I'd forgotten to fill up the night before. So I pulled into the service station on the way to work. And as I, as I pulled in and filled up, I went in to pay. And as I tapped my phone, I got that ever-dreaded word pop up, declined. It's not a word that you want to see when you're in a rush, but I thought it's okay. Thanks to our internet banking, I can just go on my phone, transfer some money across and we'll be all good. The problem being, I was only a couple of weeks into my time here and my first paycheck was going to be coming the following day. And I was a bit nervous because this was the first meeting with this worship team that I was supposed to be, to be joining and I didn't want to, um, to be running late, which I already was. But I went to transfer some money and because of you know, the fact that I didn't have a lot, I didn't actually have enough to pay for the fuel there. And in that moment, my heart just sank. Like, have you ever had that sinking feeling of like, I just don't have enough. Like, I, I don't have um, everything that I need to, to, to get through this circumstance, or this situation. Obviously, that's like a pretty specific example. But I think we can all connect with that feeling of not having enough. Now, lucky for me, I have a sister who, who was living with me at the time, and uh, although she was asleep, I, I managed to wake her up by, by calling her, and she transferred me some money, and I praise the Lord for OSCO payments, because that money came through straight away, and I was able to pay uh, for, for my fueling and get on my way. But there's something about that feeling of not having enough. And, and I think as, as I've thought about this concept, this what I call the scarcity concept, I've realized that to some extent, we're actually culturally conditioned by the world around us to look at our lives and see what we don't have and see the parts of our lives that are lacking, the parts where we fall short. And it sends us into this mindset of worry, worry about if we're going to be able to provide for our families, if we're going to be able to make the payment for our next rent bill, if we're going to be able to provide the opportunities for our kids that we want them to have, or if we're going to be able to give memorable gifts to our grandchildren. But no matter where you find yourself, I think that we are all, to some extent, impacted by this scarcity mindset. And there are several reasons, I think, that have contributed to, to developing what I, what I think is a key part of the worldview um, of, of many at the moment. But it's this belief that there isn't really enough. And it questions the provision of God. 
right? It questions the provision of God who promises to, to provide for our needs. But as Christians, we're faced with this dilemma between what is and what should be. Because if there really is enough, then why does it always seem like there isn't? And that's the big question we're going to be unpacking today by looking at the words of Jesus and, and the way that he sees the world around him. And that's why I've entitled today's message, More or Less. Which, which way are we supposed to look at the world? Are we supposed to look at the world through this lens of there being more than what we need or less of what we need? And Jesus answers this question in the most beautiful way by pointing out the intrinsic connection between worry about provision and, and wealth and bird watching. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment that we're able to come together as a community in households all around the Gold Coast and beyond. I pray that you will have prepared our hearts to receive the word that you have for us this morning. Rid me of myself and speak through me now, I ask in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. If you have a Bible on you, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 12. The book of Luke is, is the third book of the New Testament. And it's one of four Gospels, which are books about good news. That's what the term Gospel means. And the book of Luke depicts Jesus in a very beautiful way. And here we're going to see an example of that in, in Luke chapter 12. We're going to kick off in verse 22. And here Jesus is talking about this idea of worry and how it relates to, to, to the idea of, of wealth and, 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 and God's provision. So if you have your Bibles, please join with me now. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. And if you don't have a Bible, that's fine. It's going to appear right below me magically right now. There we go. How's that for, for technology? Let's read together. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For your life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying about bigger things? Jesus suggests that the antidote to anxiety about wealth and having enough is to look at birds. Now, our first reaction to that, my first reaction to that, I think we could acknowledge this, is that seems like a really irresponsible way to deal with our finances. Because as much as we think about birds, doing that isn't going to pay our bills, is it? Doing that isn't going, to, isn't going to make sure that we're able to provide for our kids or that we are going to have you know, enough, enough clothes to wear or enough shelter over our heads at night. And it seems on the surface level, really irresponsible. And that's because we're, we're looking at, at this passage through the lens of the 21st century, right? A world where wealth is significantly increased, but poverty is also significantly increased as well from the time of Jesus. 
But you see, Jesus, what, what he does, the way he looks at the world is he doesn't look around and see less than. He looks at creation and sees a generous God who has given so much to humanity. His, his mindset, his worldview, the way he interacts with the world around him is characterized and centered on this belief that God is generous. And not that he might provide, but that he definitely will provide for our needs. Interestingly, the way he interacts with this concept of looking at the birds, he says, the ravens don't, 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 don't harvest or store food, for God feeds them. And the, the way we often think about this is that, well, well the reason they don't do those things is because um, they, they think that God is going to feed them and they have faith in God. And we think that like it's a, it's a reaction to what? We think it's like a preemptive thing that's like anticipating God's generosity towards them. But I want to try and switch our thinking today because what is actually happening here is that the birds don't need to worry about, about the food they're eating or, or storing up because God has already provided for them. And he will continue to provide for them because that is who he is. And so this attitude, and while you know, this might seem like a bit too much, to, too much credit to give to the ravens, this attitude of not worrying about what to eat is a response to God's generosity that has already been imparted onto them. This word for look in the Greek doesn't just mean to observe or to perceive as it might appear in English, but it actually means to carefully consider. It's like you're, you're, you're almost pondering. That might be a better word to use here, to ponder. Like you're, like you're looking at an incredible piece of art and thinking, wow, I wonder, you know, I wonder how that use of color like really contributes to the overall meaning of this painting. Or it's like in English class, right? When, when, when your teacher says, you know, the, the, the blue of, of the book on their, on their dining table really just symbolizes the sadness that this character's feeling at the moment. And you might just be there rolling your eyes. But that's the kind of thing that Jesus is telling us to do here. To carefully consider. To, to ponder. To literally pause from what we're doing and think about the way that God's creation works. And while that might seem like a cool but a little bit airy-fairy way of interacting with wealth, it still doesn't answer that question of if there really is enough to go around, why does it always seem like there isn't? Like why is there so much poverty and suffering in the world around us? Before we get into diving deeper into that question, what I want you to do is to close your eyes with me and imagine. I want you to imagine that you have a really good friend and this great friend, has, um, have, they've done really well in life. They've been fortunate enough to, to experience success in, and, and, and to, really, um, to do really well for themselves and they invite you to a party that they're hosting. And so you get dressed up because you know that there's going to be some other famous people there, some people of influence and people that you, know, you don't want to look bad around. And you prepare for this party. And as you go into the party, you're just absolutely in awe. You're amazed because the, the decorations are unlike anything you've ever seen. The aromas that you smell as you walk in are just so sweet and, and beautiful. The, the music that you hear playing in the distance is just incredible. It's like there's professional musicians just 
absolutely killing it with what they're doing. You, then as you walk around the corner in the hallway, the friend comes up and says, hey, it's so good to see you. They come and give you a massive hug. They, they come around and they, they come around you. They, they say, hey, it's so good to have you here. Just, you know, we're going to have a few courses coming out soon. We'll start with some finger food, get into a main course, get into some dessert later. But hey, just enjoy yourself. I really want you to just make the most of this party. I'm just so glad that you're here. And you just stand there in awe because this party is unlike anything you've ever seen. And the generosity of the host is so great that you've never seen anything like it. This is the way that Jesus sees creation. He looks around and he just sees opulence and extravagance and beauty in everything. And, and that is all a result of the generosity and overabundant love of God. But we have to ask ourselves this question. This question of what kind of world must someone grow up in for them to look at creation, for them to look at birds and say that is the generosity of God right there. And then when they say that for the people around them to respond and be like, huh, that's such a good point, I never thought of that. Like what kind of world does someone have to grow in for that to, to be the reality of their life? And as we consider this question, I want you to think back to the time of Jesus 2,000 years ago. Jesus is a man who grew up in a Jewish family. Jesus grew up and, and part of his training as a young boy, as a Jewish boy, would be that he would have to memorize the Torah, the Jewish law. Now this Torah is what we call the first five books of the Bible. He would have to memorize this scripture. This scripture that is absolutely bathed in language that suggests that God is a generous God. He would also be well acquainted with the writings of the prophets and the Psalms of David, those beautiful songs that would be sung frequently throughout the year. And as we look at the Old Testament of Scripture, which contains these works today, what we see is language and imagery that paints a picture of God as an incredibly generous host that has blessed humanity so overabundantly. And this starts in the first chapter of Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible where God brings order out of chaos. He, he brings a beautiful garden out of a wasteland. And he says to humanity, be fruitful, multiply. This overabundance, humanity are invited to be a part of it. Another example of this overabundant generosity we read in the book of Psalms, these beautiful songs of praise to God. And in Psalms chapter 104, we read a really powerful passage that speaks into this idea of God as a generous God. And we read here in verse 10 of Psalms 104, the psalmist writes, You make springs pour out water into the ravines, so streams gush from the mountains. They provide water for all the animals, and the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds nest beside the streams and sing among the branches of the trees. You send rain on the mountains from your heavenly home and you fill the earth with the fruit of your labor. You cause grass to grow up for the livestock and plants for people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth. It's easy to see 
how if, how if your upbringing is characterized by reading stories and hearing songs with this kind of language, that your natural reaction when you look at the world around you is to see the God, the generous God who has created it for you to enjoy. Further down, this idea is built upon by the psalmist in verse 24 of Psalm 104. He says, O Lord, what a variety of things you have made. In wisdom, you've made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here's the ocean, vast and wide, teeming with life of every kind, both large and small. See the ships sailing along. Even these ships are an example of God's generosity. And Leviathan, which you made to play in the sea. They all depend on you to give them food as they need it. When you supply it, they gather it. You open your hand to feed them, and they are richly satisfied. Richly satisfied. So Jesus' worldview is shaped by this firm belief and grounding in the fact that God is a generous God. Jesus looks at creation and sees that. And he sees this generosity woven into the DNA of the universe. But it's still, we still have that question remaining. Why is it that if there really is enough, that, that it seems like there isn't? Is there, is there too many people in the world now that, that this earth cannot provide for them? You know, why are there so many hundreds of millions of people living in poverty? Why at the moment are there so many people getting out of work and into financial situations that they don't know if they're going to be able to get through by themselves. If there really is enough, why does it always seem like there isn't? The unfortunate reality of our existence here on earth is one that is heavily characterized by selfishness. Jesus speaks into this idea of how humanity is bent out of shape and leans towards selfishness in Luke chapter 12 further down. And he takes this issue of there being enough from an external thing to a personal level. And he drives the issue right into the heart. And we read in verse 29 of Luke 12, Jesus says, don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. And jumping down to verse 34, he says, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. To some extent, Scripture is a bit ambiguous or suspicious of wealth. While money and possessions are not inherently an evil thing, the impact that they can have on God's people can be a very bad thing. Jesus takes this issue of generosity from an issue that is external to one that is about the heart of every single person. He, he takes this, this mentality, this mindset, as something that is you know, purely up here and about us justifying you know, the, the goodness of God 
to one that is here and recognizing the full extent of our own sin and the full extent of our own brokenness. I want you to imagine back to that party we talked about before, that party that was just an incredibly beautiful reflection of the host's generosity by the sights, the smells, the sounds. Now imagine, if you will, for a moment that there is a small group at this party who, when the hors d'oeuvres start to come out, like them so much that rather than grabbing them one at a time, they start grabbing them a tray at a time. And this small group of people, they, they manage to collect all the hors d'oeuvres that have been served and not knowing if there's going to be enough food coming in the next courses decide that they're going to hoard this food in a separate room. And so they start walking down a hallway and they find a, they find a, <clears throat> a pool room. And they go into the pool room, they sit down all the hors d'oeuvres on the pool table and they close and, and bar up the door so that no one else can get in. In their distrust of the host, what they have done is taken more than what they need and prevented the rest of the guests to experience the generosity of the host. Now this metaphor is the unfortunate reality of much of our existence here on earth. It is that because of the selfishness of the few that the many are unable to experience to the same extent the, 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 the beauty and the generosity of God. And it starts, the, the, the addressing of this problem doesn't start with us just fixing the, the, the problems with the world around us, but it starts with the transformation of our own hearts. You know, if you're fortunate enough to tune into this stream, even though our situations might seem not ideal at the moment, the, 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 the truth is that you are more fortunate than a large percentage of the world. The truth is that the generosity that God has bestowed upon you is greater than that which he has bestowed upon many others. Now that isn't something that should drive us into, into selfishness or sadness or, or guilt. But it's something that we need to consider. Because when it comes to generosity, when it comes to addressing the seeming lack thereof in the world around us, it would be easy for God to click his fingers and fix it just like that. But in reality, it starts with us with a recognition in our heart. And that recognition is this. That everything we have is a gift from God. Every good thing is from above. You know, when we set out to, <clears throat> to do this series, Pastor Mark and I, we wanted to talk about finances. We wanted to talk about giving. You know, we're not a church that wants to hide away from the big and significant issues in our lives. We're a church that, that wants to speak into them because we believe that God speaks into these issues. And so we want to address them in a way that, that is going to help us live out better lives as, as human beings. But as we started out on this journey of looking at, at, at finances and what the Bible says about finances, we realized that it doesn't start with money. It starts with God. And a recognition that he has been generous to us already. 
that every good thing that we have is from him. And with that in mind, when we, when we apply that to our finances and our wealth, anything that we give to God or to others is not actually giving because that implies that we are the ones who are doing it by our own initiative, that we are the ones who get the credit, that we are the ones that get the glory. When in reality, God has invited us into reflecting his character by returning a portion of our increase to him and then paying forward his generosity to those around us. And that brings me to a close of today's message with this challenge. I want to challenge you to reshape your worldview around wealth and around giving to one that is grounded in the truth that God is truly generous and that he is faithful to provide for our needs. This means that when we approach giving, when we approach helping others, when we approach tithing, we do that with an air of humility because God has already been generous to you and to me. And so we realize that generosity is less about my initiative and more about my response. And so I want to invite you to make a commitment now. And what we've done is we've organized a couple of members of our guest services team to interact with you in the comments. And if you want to make a commitment in the week ahead to live in this new worldview, to try and apply this new idea of, of, of truly believing that there is enough to go around, that God has blessed you and he's invited you into reflecting his generosity, if you want to make a commitment to try and live in that way and think about what that means for your life, what I want you to do is to type your name or those that you're, that you're listening with who want to make a commitment into the comments and send it in. Because we have a team of people that will be praying for you. We have a team of people that will be affirming you and interacting with you. We, we want to continue to be making a difference in the lives of, of those around us even though the situation prevents us often from being together in person. And so that's my challenge for you today. If you want to try and apply that mentality of generosity, you know, I'm believing with faith that there are names starting to appear in the comments below me now, names of people who, who, are, who, are, who are breaking free of this worry and anxiety, names of people who, who, who want to, to, to truly believe that there is enough that God will provide for their situation. And so type your names into the comments below. We've got a team that's going to be interacting and praying for you. And just know that, that God sees this, that, that God is, is encouraged that you want to, to, to come into a deeper understanding of who he is and learn more about, about his character and how, what it means for us to apply it and reflect it in our own lives. So as you're typing your names in the comments below, I just want to invite you to pray with me as we close. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you are a generous God towards us. I pray that that truth might become a deeper reality in each of our lives over the week ahead. That when we look at the problems around us, where it seems like there is less, that we might acknowledge that you are faithful to provide for what we need. And you're faithful to provide for the needs of those around us. Lord, I claim that promise from Luke chapter 12 over the lives of everybody that is tuned into our live stream this morning. Lord, that you know our needs and that you provide for them. May we step into that new way of existing in the world around us where we acknowledge that you are truly the giver of all good things.
You are truly a generous God. And may we reflect that generosity by returning to you our tithes, by giving our offerings, by blessing others, Lord. Thank you so much for the ultimate generosity you've displayed to us in Jesus. We praise you as Lord of our lives today. And I thank you for the commitments that the Holy Spirit has convicted those that have tuned in to make today. We ask that you continue to lead us and guide us moving forward in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.